Hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, Merry Christmas. Man, I mean, in two days, uh, we are going to be either around a Christmas tree and or a table uh, just celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. What we get to do today, though, is we get to position ourselves as a community of believers to take communion, to take the Lord's Supper, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that as we see in the scriptures, is a reclaiming of the gospel in our life. Every time that we come around the table as the body of Christ to break the bread and to drink the wine, grape juice in this case for you Baptists, it's okay. What happens? We get to reclaim what God has done for us. The same thing that we get to claim in the Christmas season. We get to say, hey, God, you love me so much that you would send your one and only son, Jesus Christ, that he would not just come down as a man. He would come as a child. He would live the human experience so that we would know that God could empathize with us at the most ground level, that he experienced joy and pain, triumph and tragedy at the most human level, and that he gave his life so that we could be found, so that we could have the embrace of God, so that we today can proclaim that we are right with God, that guilt and death and shame have no place in our life, that God has taken care of that. And he started with a manger and he ended with a cross and an empty tomb. And so today as we gather and prepare ourselves for Christmas, we posture ourselves and we position ourselves to take the Lord's Supper. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1. I want us to go to the very end of a scene, and then we're going to go to the beginning of that scene a little bit later. But I want us to see the conclusion of Jesus' mother Mary when she takes on God's holy plan for her life that will bring about a holy mess in her life. And I want you to hang on to that for a second because here's what we're going to see today. When we take on the holy plans of God, it will bring a holy mess to our life. What Mary is about to sign up for is a radical change in everything that she knows. She would carry the Christ child under the ridicule and the scrutiny of those around her. Yeah, right, this is a virgin birth. She would not only carry this child, but she would give birth to this child in a stable, not a hospital, not even the the cleanliness of an inn. She would give birth to this child in the most primitive place. And then as soon as this child was born, she would be running for the safety of Egypt to protect this child from those who want to kill him. And she would spend the rest of her life 
She would even lose Jesus when he was 12 years old. And then she would be there when he started his earthly ministry. She would be there every step of the way in the crowd as he was mocked. The same, crew, the same crowd that would deify him, she would be in. And the same crowd that would crucify him, Mary would be by Jesus' side to the very end. When he was taken off of that cross, she would be with the church when the Holy Spirit was given and the church was launched. But it all began in this moment. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, this is what Jesus says when she accepts the holy plan and the holy mess that God would bring to her life. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words or your word to me be fulfilled. What would cause this little girl from Nazareth to take on the courage, the plan, and what we would see in her life is the struggle and the dependency of this child who would grow to be a man who would give his life for the world. Why would God choose this woman? What was it about her? And what is it about us that God would say, you too are reserved for my holy plans. And are we willing to take on the holy mess that God brings with his holy plans? We're gonna get back to the story in just a second. Uh, we had about 24 family members over at our house this weekend. And my wife and I were preparing dinner for them. We did something a little bit different. We did Chinese instead of turkey and ham. So it was a little bit exciting. So we're in the, uh, you know, we're in the kitchen sort of doing that, uh, you know, the Christmas story. Uh, if you guys saw that, you know, on Christmas Eve, they had to go to the Chinese restaurant. So we were just going to recreate that for our family. Some of you are singing that song on your head right now. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get in trouble and repeat it. Fra, ra, 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 ra. <laughs> what? Okay, so anyway. So we're in the kitchen and we're, and we're about a half hour behind schedule. And, you know, there's a lot of comfort and joy in the house, but the natives are getting restless in the living room. They're, they're, they're ready to eat. And so we're kind of in this mayhem in the kitchen. And I say to my wife, I said, hey, I think we're going to need to make more rice. And she says, no, we don't need more rice. Just help me with this stuff over here. And when we get it, I think we're going to need more rice. Now, keep in mind, she has made the same meal for, uh, you know, you know uh, the same amount and even more people. And she has it all. You know, she knows exactly how um, the amounts of everything. But I'm looking. And you guys know how rice can be kind of weird. You know, it's like you think, you know what I'm talking about. You, you think, man, that's just not going to be enough. And then, of course, after it's cooked, it's like this. But, but I didn't know that. So I'm like, we're going to need more rice. So I go into, uh, yeah, I just completely ignored her. I went into the pantry and got this, this I don't know, sandbag size of, of rice. The one you get at Sam's for like the Mayan apocalypse, you know, <laughs> or to build a tsunami wall. So I get it out and I fling it up onto the stove on what I think is a cold burner. <laughs> and as soon as it, like, it melts the bottom of the bag, 
and the rice just spills everywhere onto the hot burner, down into the floor, all over oblivion. And this is what you guys know. Guys, you know when you've done this. And you know when your wife gave you that kind of forewarning. And I look at her and she, she gives me that look like, I want to kill you. <laughs> but I love you. And God has forgiven me all of my transgressions, and so thus I forgive you all of your transgressions. It's okay. We will clean up this mess later. I had been forgiven. And needless to say, I cleaned most of it up, but then there was this stuff on the burner. It had been like welded, this rice and she had this special technique that she got it off. So she, even in the end, not only did she forgive me, but she even helped me clean up the mess I couldn't clean up myself. I tell you that story to say that is a very similar picture to my life in Christ. There are times in my life with great intentions, I burn a hole in my life. And a lot of things that God has placed there spills out into a mess and makes a mess of relationships. It makes a mess of leadership. It makes a mess of the stewardship. It makes a mess of the parenting. It makes a mess of my marriage. I mean, I could keep going, but there are so many contexts in my life where I think I know better than Christ. I, I can do a better job. I blow past the Holy Spirit's leadership. I veto, I veto Christ's teachings. I know that whole thing, turn the other cheek, you work for you, Jesus, but I've got a better plan. And what ends up happening is when I go my own way and I go my own plan, a lot of mess ends up spilling out in the most important places in my life. And yet, and yet, Christ looks at me and he says, I wish you would have listened to me. I wish you would have just trusted me. You didn't. You made a mess. But you know what? It's okay, and I'm going to help you clean it up. Because that is the gospel. And that is how we must posture ourselves Every single day that we are given another day on this mortal planet, that we are desperate people, we have all burned a hole in the bottom of our life. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you thought that you could stop spending money on the credit card past your Christmas shopping, and now you've maxed it out and you're getting ready to go into bankruptcy yet again. Maybe you thought that that inappropriate relationship was just flirty and fun and all of a sudden it turned into an affair and now it's a divorce and now you're living in an apartment and you're seeing your kids on the weekend. Burned a hole in your life. Maybe you thought going after the career goal and, and putting your family on hold for a little while to give them all the things that you believe that they would want would pay off in the end, and now you are estranged from your children, they don't respect you, and they don't even know who you are, and you're sitting there with rice all over the stovetop of your life. Maybe you thought that gossiping was a victimless crime, 
Besides, you were just telling people the truth anyway. And it blew up a bunch of relationships in your life. Caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. And now nobody trusts a word that you say. Maybe you thought that one drink more would not total your car and total your reputation. But you drove home anyway. And now, and now you've got to face the consequences of that. I could keep going, but the bottom line is there's a thousand different scenarios of how you may have or someone else may have their sin, your sin, has burned a hole in the bottom of your life. Here's the thing that we have to wrestle with today. It's not a matter of if that is going to happen. It's a matter of Will we let Jesus redeem that? And will we let him heal us? We are going to burn a hole in our life and make a mess of it. At various levels, at various levels of maturity and immaturity, it doesn't matter. The moment that we believe that we are above that, the moment that we walk into a gathering like this and we and we position ourselves with pride, we position ourselves to make sure that we say enough things to make everybody believe that we've got it together, that we, we, don't, really, we don't really need any more grace, we don't really need any more of God's favor, we've got just enough on our own, is the moment that we miss the very thing that attracts God to us in an insatiable way, and that is desperation. In fact, we see something in Mary's life. What was it about this girl, you know? What, what, what was it about her life? Had she never sinned? No, she, she was a human being just like us. Yes, she, she, she lived her life in a way that was right standing with God, but she was still a sinner just like you and me. And yet, look what it says in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Listen, I could talk all day about the irony of why God would choose this young, poor girl from the wrong side of the tracks. And yet, it is that very thing that God would use to bring favor to her life. She's young. I mean, she was, this, she was the age of a high school freshman. I mean, those aren't a, that's not a group of people that we would say, hey, let's heap a lot of social pressure and persecution on your life and see how you deal with it. And yet God would say, here, here's a holy plan. It's gonna bring a holy mess, but I believe that you are the one to carry this. She was poor, which means that when the ridicule and all of the persecution would come to her life, what did that mean? It mean that all of the, the, the things that she would have to hold herself up in the most tangible ways would be stripped away. And yet God chose her. Here's what I want you to see today as you prepare your heart to take communion, that God uses desperate people for his extraordinary plans. He does. He uses desperate people. 
In fact, that's what we find out about Mary. Verse 28 says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are, say this with me, one, two, three, highly favored. Say it again, one, two, three, highly favored. The Lord is with you. What does that mean, highly favored? The word favored here means grace, highly gifted of God. What does that mean? Specifically, it means that Mary was a girl who knew that she did not deserve anything from God and yet was desperate for more of him and was ready to receive whatever gift, whatever grace, whatever favor he would pour into her life. And that was absolutely irresistible to God. And that's why the angel says, you, you poor young girl from the wrong side of the tracks, you are favored simply because you are desperate for God. God uses desperate people for his extraordinary plans. Some of you came here today to hear that for the very first time. You have believed that your sin, your addiction, your depression, your adultery, your divorce, your, your crime, what you think is the, the unforgivable sin or transgression of your life has disqualified you from the grace of God, from the favor of God. Here's what I want to say today. You are here today, and those elements represent your redemption. God wants to take the mess, and he wants to clean it up. I got one witness. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. God wants to take your mess and clean it up. Can I get a witness? Yes. That's why we're here. We're not here because we are righteous on our own. We're not here because we have dotted all our I's and crossed all our T's religiously and spiritually. We are a mess. And the moment that we've cleaned up one, we're throwing the rice back on the burner and it's all over the floor again. And yes, we grow up. And yes, we mature. And yes, God in his grace helps us to defeat some sin cycles in our life that have held us back for years, maybe even decades. But you know what? There's new things that God wants to conquer and heal and change in our life for the next season. One of them, that we would allow the past to be the past. Some of you have self-doubt and you believe that you are not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not spiritual enough, you're not churchy enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not rich enough, you're not young enough, you're not old enough. Let me tell you something. You are here today because it's your desperation that has given you the ability, that has given you the right amount of emptiness of yourself that God can pour in an extraordinary plan into your life. Wayne Cudero said it like this. He says, God cannot fill a vessel with himself that is already filled with itself. You see, it is desperation that empties us of our pride. Where Jesus would say, wow, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, when you are desperate for God. Blessed are you when you are hungry and thirsty for God. Blessed are you when you are meek, when you approach God every single second of the day and say, God, I am not worthy of anything that you would give me, 
but I will receive it gladly because you pour it out in my life. That is Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was not perfect, but man, she was desperate. She was desperate for the things of God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I mean, Jesus wasn't going to invent the iPhone. You know, he wasn't gonna invent the automobile. He wasn't gonna invent some thing that would change the way we travel or communicate. He was gonna change the world by redeeming us of the very thing that keeps us from eternal life and being the redeemed children of God, and that is our sin. And Mary was gonna carry this child. And in taking on this holy plan, man, she would take on the holy mess that would come, and yet God would be there every step of the way saying, you're highly favored, you're highly favored. I'm pouring out my blessing. I'm pouring out my gift. I'm pouring out my grace on you. I know, I know Jesus rejected you in that crowd. He said, I don't have a mother. And what? You just keep on following him. You just keep on following him. Yes, you're gonna be right there and you're gonna see him abused. You're gonna see him abandoned. You're gonna see him tortured. You're gonna see him crucified. But Mary, I will give you the grace. I will give you the grace because you're highly favored. Some of you need to hear that today. No, you will not carry the Christ child like Mary did, but you carry his Holy Spirit in your heart today. You are highly favored. It is time for you today to reclaim that all over again. That's what the Lord's Supper is. And that's the power of this Christmas season is that we get to reclaim that, that God came to us to clean up our mess. I'm gonna ask the band to come. I was... um, surrounded by family this week. And um, my cousin, she uh, just recently started dating this young man and they had been friends in college. And so I'm talking to him and I, was, I said, hey, I said, hey, what, like, like, what made you go from, like, you guys were great friends and, and then now, you know, you're pursuing you're pursuing a lifelong commitment. Like, you're, you're going all the way with this. And this is what he said to me. He's like, you know, he's like, yeah. He says, when we were friends, he said, I just always knew that she was special. I always knew that, that I wanted to be in the same space as her. But I couldn't quite articulate it. And he said, last year, I was driving away from Lynchburg and I knew that I wouldn't see her for a few months. And he says, as I was driving away, knowing that I would not see my friend for a few months, he said, I was sad because I wanted to see her every day. He said, I knew then everything changed. I was like, come here, man. No, I didn't. You know, I think that's a powerful image, though, 
of where we have to go. You know, I think some of you are probably good friends with Jesus right now. You know, you come to church and you like coming to church. You, you like coming to this church. You, yeah, it's, it's kind of your, your pace, your style. And Jesus is cool. But man, surrender your whole life to him, your desires, your drives, your ambitions. Put it out all, all on the table and say, you know, I'm, I'm desperate for you, God. I need you, Jesus. Man, that's a whole nother thing. Maybe today, though, as you prepare your heart and your mind to take communion, that you are challenged to go, man, I can't, I can't just be friends with Jesus if I'm going to go and, and reclaim the gospel in my life. He has to be what I'm desperate for every day of my life. And maybe today is that day for you. Maybe today is the day for you that, that you, you come down here and you say, I, no more friends with Jesus. Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to wake up every day desperate for you. I don't want you to ever, ever not be in the forefront of my heart, in the forefront of my mind, the tip of my tongue. I want God's favor all over my life. And I know it begins and it thrives and it concludes with you, Jesus. And if that's your story, I just want to ask you if you'll have the courage to come down here and just surrender your life to Jesus and let some leaders of this church come around you and pray with you. Last week, between both campuses, we saw 10 people who just said either, hey, I'm ready to go all the way with Jesus or I'm ready to go to the next place with Jesus. Maybe you can join them today. But I want you to answer three questions today. Uh, today, answer this question before you, you come to the table to take the body and the blood of Christ. Number one, have you surrendered your life fully to Jesus Christ? You're not friends with Jesus. I mean, you are fully devoted to Jesus. He is the Savior, the Redeemer, the leader of your life. And if not, come on down here and let us, let us help you cross that threshold. Get through the doubts and get through the indecision surrender your life to Jesus fully. If yes, if you have surrendered your life fully to Jesus, come down here when the time is right, when the Spirit has moved you, and take the broken body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you and me, broken body on a cross, and take the cup of salvation. And reclaim all over again what Jesus has done for you. He has cleaned you up eternally. And right here and right now. Question number two. Is there sin in your life that you are unrepentant of right now? You just refuse to deal with it. You don't want to deal with it. The rice is all over the stove. You know it. The people in your life know it. You don't mind confessing this. You don't mind confessing that. But nope, not that one right there. Not going to deal with that one. Because that means I got to really, 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 really change. If that's your heart today, before you come to this table, before you mock this table, fall on your knees, fall on your face, stand up, sit down, whatever you got to do, but take a posture of repentance and say, you know what? God, you've given way too much to me for me to not confess to you and seek redemption and forgiveness from you right now for a thing in my life that's holding me back from your extraordinary plans. 
And then third, is there something that you still hold against somebody who has sinned against you? You know, the Bible tells us that. It says, before you go and you take this meal and you, you talk about and you reclaim the redemption and the forgiveness, the radical forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, before you do that, you go and radically forgive somebody who has deeply hurt you, who has sinned against you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And maybe right now you just need to pray for that strength. And you need to weep right there. Or maybe you need to make a phone call. Or maybe you need to cross the aisle. Whatever. But before you go and take the broken body of Jesus Christ and you drink the blood of salvation, reclaim the gospel in your life, answer yes to all three of those questions. Prepare your hearts and when you're ready, you can come down these outer aisles to the tables and circle back around and take the elements when you're ready. Father, right now, I ask that you take this bread and you take this wine and you make it a symbol all over again of that last supper where Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, given and spilt, broken for you. Transform us all over again. Fill us new in Jesus' name.